What was different about your body when you were born? I was actually born with one finger on my left hand and a full left leg, but it was curved. I had surgery when I was two and a half years old to remove the part that was curved, so I had a stump that they could put a prosthetic leg on. And then they took the big toe from that and they put it on my left hand, so I have two fingers. I did tons of physical therapy to try to get my new finger to work like a real finger and not like a toe. I was always trying to figure out how to bring them together and how to get them to come together and touch. And I was sitting in the shower and it touched. And it was amazing. I was running around the house screaming, yeah, I did it. Because that was like the first milestone. Do you feel different than other kids? Sometimes I do. People do stare and whisper. I'll be thinking like, there's tons of kids in this world. How did he happen to choose me to be one of the kids that had to get their leg taken away? And I asked God, like, can you please give me a leg? Somehow, some way. Well, then I have to think, I was born like this. I can't change it. And when I play sports, I don't feel different. I don't think about anything else. I just think about what's happening in the game. Would you say sports have become a ritual for you? Yes, because I feel like if I don't play sports every day, I feel weird. I've always felt like sports is where I can go when I'm sad or lonely or anything. I love competition. I love the feeling. I love being under pressure and everything. When I'm playing sports, I go from thinking about all the other things to game mode. When I'm in the zone, I feel like I have this like fire around me. And then the flames pop up and have this circle around it. So any thoughts that try to come in and they get burned by the fire and they don't let in. Do you feel you have to work harder than other kids? Oh yes. I bet kids when they take a step, oh I took a step, big deal. For me when I take a step I say oh no big deal, but I thought about every little bit. I put so much pressure on my body from being in a prosthetic all day. I come home, I'm like dying from back pain and I have to stretch before I go to bed every night. So how do you stay positive? I have to think about what I have instead of what I don't have. I have a great life. I have a great family. I have great legs. I have great friends. I have a great school. I could go on for years. I'm just grateful that I have so many things that are great in my life. There's lots of challenges in people's life, and that's a little wall right there. So I try to break down that wall. If I'm just running around like playing soccer or shooting a layup, I don't think about it. I don't feel different when I'm playing sports because that takes me away from my disability, but it's a good thing that I'm born like this. I've learned to be confident in myself, I've learned how to be strong. Well, there you have it. A young man's name is Ezra. And to believe that that positive mindset's on a young, uh, young boy, 10 or 11 years of age. Did you hear the statement that was made, uh, well, how do you stay positive? He said, I think about what I have as opposed to what I don't have. Well, I wish every adult in the world thought that way. This young man and his life, of course, proves it every single day 
Did you hear what he said? With the prosthetic that I have, he said, I have back pain when I, I go to bed at night and I have to stretch to keep that away. This kid, I want to tell you something is going to go places and a prosthetic leg is not going to slow him down. Well, how do you have that kind of mindset? Well, you have to work at it. We know that. We, of course, are in the second message of our series, uh, uh, how, to, how to Stay Up When Things Are Down, and we call it Up. And today we're going to talk to you just for a few moments, and you kind of gather around the television there and turn up the, turn up the volume on your phone or your iPad. We want you to feel right at home today. I have no idea what you're wearing, and I, I don't want to use my imagination either. I'm just glad that you're here. I was watching Facebook a few minutes ago, and we have people from around the world that are tuning in right now to see the uh, church uh, online at Victory Church. Well, here's what I know. Um, on May 3rd, the first Sunday of May, uh, in the series, we're going to be talking about be enthusiastic. You know, just really get out there and be enthusiastic. And then we know that on May 10th, we're going to be talking about be an encourager. Be an encourager. Well, guess what? We couldn't think of a person that would be an encourager more than mother. That's Mother's Day. And so just telling all of you out there, get ready for it. Get your card. Get your letters uh, written out so that you can let mom know. Get your flowers ready. Let mom know how much she has loved and appreciated. And then, of course, on the uh, 17th, we're going to talk about being confident, having that positive, confident spirit about you. But today, guess what? We're going to talk about being optimistic. Say that with me out there. Be optimistic. Now, if I were to ask those of you and look around and wherever you're looking and say, how many of you are just naturally positive? Just raise your hand. Well, when you raise your hand right now, I promise you there, there's some sibling or someone that says, boy, you just, you just think you're optimistic. You're not an optimist. You're a pessimist. Well, we know that no matter what we are, we can get better at what we do. Here's an optimist. An optimist uh, may read, my cup overflows and continue, the Lord is blessing me. But the uh, pessimist will say, my cup overflows and wow, there's going to be a big mess around the house today. Here's one of the natural inclinations. Try this on for size now. It is more natural to be negative, pessimistic, than it is to be optimistic, than it is to be positive about life. And if you listen to some people's speech, you hear them talk about, you know, talk down to themselves. Uh, they're a little pessimistic of, about themselves. They always talking down. I can't do that. Here's what they'll say. Well, you know what? I just don't have what it takes. And you might say, well, I know you're positive through this pandemic, but the reality is it's just more than I can take. I'm about to pull my hair out. You know, for me, life stinks right now. That's a pessimist. Or listen, I, I want you to know I can't stand where I'm at right now in this life. The economy is doomed. I don't know that COVID-19 will ever be over. We're never going to get out of it. The moral of America is down the tubes and it's bad. And the government cannot get things right. Well, you know, if we had more people like you, we'd probably never get anything right. But if you take young people and adults like Ezra, who said, how do I stay positive? I think of the good things that I have. 
and he said, and I don't worry about the things that I don't have. As a matter of fact, he said, you heard him, I could go all year long telling you about the things that I am thankful and grateful for. But you know what? A person of faith ought to behave and live differently when it comes to this being a pessimist or an optimist. We ought to live differently than an unbeliever should. We ought to coach ourselves, not on the side of being negative, but coach ourselves and say, you know what, but that thought hit, and it's a negative thought, but I've held that in obedience, and I, I want to say things that are positive, that are good, and are above reproach. Let me give you this illustration. You'll understand. There are two birds I want to share with you. Number one is, uh, is a buzzard. I mean, if you know a buzzard on two legs, a buzzard. Another is a hummingbird. Well, if you look at the characteristics of the old buzzard, here's what it is. The old buzzard flies around all the time trying to find things that's dead and smelly and almost rotten, and he does that every day. But you know what the hummingbird does? The hummingbird flies around all day looking for positive things, looking for sweet things, looking for things that, that bring pleasure into life. As a matter of fact, Proverbs eleven twenty seven will give us a scriptural perspective, and here it is. Whoever seeks good finds favor. So if you're looking for sweet things, you're going to find favor. But he said, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. If you want to stay negative, you want to stay filled with anxiety, you want to stay depressed, you want to stay in misery, you just keep that negative spirit and don't strive for a more positive spirit. You can find negative in most everything you do, but it takes a person with a little effort and a little anointing of the Holy Spirit to say, that's not who I desire to be. And I know some of you, you already don't like what I'm saying. I mean, you're, you're already taking issue with it, but that's okay. I want to keep preaching and keep loving you, and you just stick with me before the end of this message, and God is going to touch you. Well, how do, how do we get here? Well, Romans, the uh, eighth chapter, has a lot of positive comments that encourage us. As a matter of fact, in the study, there are 23 of them. And I thought, as I looked at that, there are so many, I thought, how wonderful it would be in this message to present all 23. I mean, we're online, we're comfortable at home, and we've got time on our hands, and you just want to sit there. But I'm, I'm not going to do that. Because if I said to you that I'm going to do 23 today on these points, even the optimist would turn to be a pessimist. And I know that with all of my heart. But I want to give you just a few that might spark your interest, things that we already know. Be positive about what you do. Well, I read the story of the law enforcement officer. That would be a cop for short. And he'd found that perfect hiding place. I don't know about you, but that perfect hiding place, you try to, you try to scope them out. I know some of you are thinking, well, pastor, if you didn't speed, you wouldn't have to scope them out. Listen, I love law enforcement officers, friend. That's why I scope them out, care for them, and we love them when they come here on the campus of Victory Church. But he found that perfect hiding place, and I mean, he was, he was giving the tickets out. But one day, he noticed everybody is below the speed limit. It's unbelievable. And he thought, something's wrong. This is not right. So he got in his cruiser and pulled out and turned right and 
Down about uh, a block away was a kid with a sign that said, large enough that people could read, speed trap ahead. He thought that's the reason people are going under the speed limit. A good move. Then he thought, okay, well, what's, what's up? Told the kid, put the sign down, it's not right. He turned and went past where he'd been hiding and about 100 yards past where he'd been sitting and trying to give the tickets out was another kid. Tips, please. And he looked at the bucket at the kid and he had a bucket full of dollar bills and change. For individuals who had had a witness of the speed trap ahead, went right past the officer and saw the kid, tips please, and they put the money in. Now let me ask you, would that be a positive or negative experience for you? Well, let's figure it out. For the law enforcement officer, it was a negative. But for the people who got the warning and they slowed down, it was a positive. Or you could look at it another way. It could be an interchange of ideas. Here's what I'm telling you. Life, life is a process of figuring out what's positive, legitimately positive, and what's, what's negative. So take that into account as you walk every single day. Now let me give you number one. Here it is. I know you're ready. If you're taking notes, you're going to have to run and get a pencil or paper, whatever the case. Or you have your iPad, but you're on it watching us. So here we go. My sins are forgiven, and I'm secure in my relationship with Jesus. My sins are forgiven. Aren't you glad your sins are forgiven? That's one of the things there in Romans. Here it is, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life sets me free from the law, here it is, of sin and death. Now, therefore, no condemnation, but there's another part, to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is your liberty to be able to say that, that you can be positive about it. Many people will condemn you. They will belittle you. They will berate you. They'll get angry at you. And, and you get to the place you think, my gracious, it seems like so many people are against me. And you can allow your mind to wonder, say, what's the use? I'm trying to do the best that I can. And people still, you know, want to push me off the edge of the cliff. But listen now. The Spirit of the Lord has set you free. And as long as you're following Jesus Christ, as long as you know, God, I am doing the best that I can. I have repented of my sins. I want you to know there will be no legitimate finger that will ever be pointed at you and cause you to not have the love of Jesus Christ. And when you follow the Lord and you give your heart to him, you can declare that's promise number one. The condemnation is gone. Here's number two. Here it is. Jesus is at the right hand of God making intercession for you and me right now. No matter what your need is, your Savior, Jesus Christ, is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. Here it is, Romans, again, verse 34. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who, can, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What does that exactly mean? It means that you have a prayer advocate. 
If you forget to pray, you have a prayer advocate that is praying for you. The word intercede is simply a deliberate, powerful, sharp, inspired, directed prayer. Interceding. And time is of no value because I am interceding. I had an individual in my churches and here at Victory. I knew that if we passed a prayer need to them, it wasn't going to be a rote prayer. It wasn't going to be, well, if I remember, I'll, I'll do that, good brother. I'll pray for that need. There are people that I know that I've had experience with that when you give them a need, you don't have to remind them they take that need to the altar and they stay there and what we call what until they pray through. Praying through is, it, it means that we stay there and we pray and we grab hold of the horns of that altar until we feel the burden lifted and then we begin to praise the Lord for what he has done. That is the power of intercession. I have a friend who's fighting off cancer, lives in Jacksonville, he sends me a text about every other week because he has treatments. And the one that I got this week says, Wayne, please pray that this medication is on assignment. That if you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you. May the medication to kill the cancer be laser directed. And I sent him back a text and this is what I said. I have you covered with the prayers of healing and today is the day of God's favor. Get ready for a great testimony. You see, that's what brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, that's not a passive prayer because I've known him all of his life. I've known his father uh, many, many, many years before he passed away. And so we are interceding and believing God for him and taking that to the heavenly father. But listen, even if I miss and I get busy, guess what? There is one, his name is Jesus, who does not miss. And friend, no matter what it is you need and you have a request for, hallelujah, our Savior Jesus is interceding. Number three, my future victory is greater than my present pain. My future victory is greater than my present pain. You see, God will use what you're going through. He will use what I'm going through. He will use whatever we're all going through. Right now, the big push is COVID-19, and he'll use that to conform us into his image. You see, here's what I know. Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You might say, well, that's easy for the apostle Paul to say. Paul went through significant challenges. He was beaten. He was snake bitten. He was whipped, left for dead, thought he was dead, tortured over and over again. And, and through all of that, this is what he said. He said, I consider the present sufferings not worth comparing to the glory of what God is going to do in my future. Even James, Jesus' brother, said, Brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, it is the testing of your faith that develops perseverance. So here it is. Instead of looking at your pain, instead of looking at your problems, instead of looking at your challenges in a negative way, Look at it from a positive perspective. Allow the Holy Spirit to reach down and say, you know what? God, here's what I know. That my present pain is nothing compared to the glory in my future that you have in store for me. 
That's positive. Number four, my mind is filled with the peace of God. Romans 8, verse 6, the mind of the sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. If you've got a negative mindset, you know what it says? It'll lead to death. But if you have that positive mindset that's in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're focusing on the grace and the mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When you're born into the family of God, I want you to know the old life, you might have been dominated by sinful thoughts and lust and things of that nature. But when you became redeemed, God gave you an opportunity to have a different mindset. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind through the Word of God. So there it is. This book is important to having a positive mindset. Stay in the Word. Meditate on the Word. Read the Word. You say, well, I don't understand it a lot of times. Well, I don't either. But if you just keep reading over and over again, one day the illumination of the Holy Spirit and the anointing will touch you and what you did not understand you will understand in the days ahead. You see, what we don't want to do is to step in and out of this relationship with Jesus. And we don't want to step in and out of a negative lifestyle and a positive lifestyle. You know, sooner or later, somebody's going to step to the plate and say, well, which is it for you? Are you really excited and positive about the Lord? You see, we need to claim, I will not allow the enemy to lure me into confusion, frustration, and anxiousness when I can focus on God's Word and know that it brings peace to my mind. Here we go. If God is for me, who can be against me? Say that with me out there. If God is for me, who can be against me? Some of you were slow, I understand, but I'm positive about it. Let's say it again. If God is for me, who can be against me? And that's found in verse number 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then Romans 8 verse 33 says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. At the end of the day, whoever you think sits in that chair of judgment, they're going to pass, they're going to give it up. At the end of the day, the one that's going to sit in that chair is Almighty God, the one who has redeemed you and loves you. We know there are many people who can be against us. and They can take pot shots at us. We know that. They will gossip about us, you know. And, but the real, the real deal is, listen, if God is for us, what does it matter you know, here's, here's what I worry about. When I hear somebody say, well, you know what? Um, I, I'm not being persecuted at all. My life's just fine. There are no challenges there. I worry about that. Well, not really, but I, I'm concerned about that. Because here's what I know. When you're persecuted for something in your life, when there's a problem you can't fix, when there's a challenge, you got to cry out to God. When you say, God, you got to do something here. Do you know what? That means, that means that you're on the right track. It means that God is, is keeping his hand upon you. Because here's the deal. If the devil didn't think there was any value in you, he wouldn't bother you at all. So there's always going to be challenges. And we're going to lift God and trust him and believe the Lord. You know, all things are possible to those individuals that believe. I want to be optimistic about that. And I want to join Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, 
You know, my God has plans to bless me, to prosper me, not to harm me, but to give me hope and to give me a future. I choose that. I choose that. Number six, God's Spirit helps me in my weakness. Somebody said six. How many has he got? I want to tell you now. There are eight. Two more left. Here we go. Romans, verse number 25 and 26. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently, I hope. That's not I hope in there, but in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Here's the bottom line. Do you believe the Spirit helps you in your weakness? Do you believe that when you're a little down, if you give God a chance, that God will lift you up? That means that that God is with us. And when we wait patiently, that is to say, God, I'm not going to put a timeline on this. I'm going to trust you. We know that you're going, to, you're going to help us get stronger, and I'm not going to complain and murmur and be a pessimist and be negative and get bent out of shape because this is, not, this is not working the way that I thought it would. You see, when we're down, the Holy Spirit lifts us up. Lifts us up. And when we're hurt, the Holy Spirit comforts us. And, and when we're alone, speaking to single adults, when we're alone, the Spirit of God gives us the comfort and the strength and lifts us up. In our weakness, He becomes strong. Number seven, I know God is working everything in my life for good. Everything, I know that He's working everything in my life for for good. I can trust that. I have that experience. Verse 28, and we know that in all things. How many things? All things. Let's say it again out there, everybody. In how many things? All things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's the key. Called according to his purpose. So here's what I have. I've got an intercessor there that I'm trusting. And in that word all, it's translated in the Greek. Don't miss this. It means all. It means all any way you look at it. It means there's nothing left on the table in all things. In good things and bad things and mediocre things, he is working for your good. And sometimes we understand that the under, we understand that God it just doesn't seem that way. And you may think this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. This is the worst moment in my life. We were about to get settled financially, and then COVID comes along, and, and then the kids are sick, and we're all in the house together. My gracious alive. But listen, let me give you something so you understand that it works all things even though you don't understand. I'm, I know this to be true. For example, somebody falls, and when they fall, it's an injury that 9-11 takes them on to the hospital, and they said, we just want to check you out. We want to do a few x-rays and we're going to do a little MRI on you to see if you're okay. And you had no problem up to then, but in their testing, they said, well, the fall, there are no problems with that. But we discovered when we tested that you have heart blockage. You have three of your arteries, one 100%, one 95%, and the other 45%. Those are blockages that you would never know about had that fall not taken place. Or here's another. 
You have a little fender bender in your Volkswagen, and you just bend the fender in, and you think, my Lord, what, what in the world this? I, I didn't mean for that to happen, but we need to take you and have you looked at. And they do a test, and they find out, wow, you have a tumor in your head that you would have never known about had that not happened. So here's what I'm asking you to do. In every situation of your life, instead of taking the time to say, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how to manage this. Always remember that God has a distinct purpose to allow us to be cared for in everything. Finally, number eight, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing can separate me. Nothing from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. We have that commitment from the Lord. Paul writes in verse 38 of Romans, For I'm convinced that neither death, life, angels, demons, present, future, any power, any height or death, nothing arise in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, no matter where you go, God said, I'm going to be there. And no matter where you're at, God's going to be there. No matter if you run from God, when you get to wherever it is you're running to, you're going to find that he is there. And my friend, anything that gets in your way that is not divinely according to the will of God, God's going to be there. You cannot run away from successfully his presence. And for those of you that are listening right now, some of you, you've been running away. You haven't been making the kind of commitment that you know that you need to make. You become a little disgruntled and boy, you've got a you got a pretty legitimate list there that you can say, well, that's why I'm not really being faithful to God. Doesn't, doesn't matter. But can I tell you, God loves you. God desires to bring you back home. God's arms are wide open, and he's saying, hey, listen, you're not going to separate yourself from me. I give myself to you. I love you. And you open your arms and your heart to Jesus Jesus will come in and restore that relationship that he has with you. So why am I optimistic? Ezra said, well, I want you to know I'm thankful for the things that I have. And instead of the things that I don't have, I could take a year to tell you. Why am I optimistic? There are 23 that I found, but let me give you eight. Again, because my sins are forgiven. How important is that to you? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. That no matter what I'm doing, he cares for me. Number three, my present suffering is not worth comparing to the future glory that God is going to reveal in me. He's going to do something good. Number four, my mind is filled with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Why? Because I'm, I'm in this word. And if God is for me, no one can be against me. Because God will stand guard at my heart's door. Number six, God's Spirit works in my weakness. And when I have no idea what's happening, He comes to me in my weakness, lifts me up, and makes me strong. 
And then my God is working for my good. When everyone else may say the world is falling apart, and they may say we'll never get through COVID-19, here's what I believe. Number eight, my God has everything under control. And I can choose to believe and behave as if I have someone interceding for me, or I can stand on the ground that I know are the promises of God and say, God, I'm going to trust you even more. So here is it. Here it is. At the end of the day, I can live like a buzzard, and I can look for smelly dead things, or I can live like the hummingbird and look for the positive promises and the sweet things that bring God the glory. Would you consider this message and let it meditate in your heart and in your mind? Let's pause for prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you now for the love of Jesus. I thank you. I thank you because you care for us. Beyond our wildest imagination, you're able to inject in us a spirit that will bring us to life. I thank you because I know you do not fail. I pray now there are those that are listening that maybe their heart is not in tune. Maybe they're not turned on to the things that they need to be turned on to. Maybe they've been walking away from, from you, Lord. It's not easy to walk away from the church these days, but they'll never be able to walk successfully away from you, Jesus, because you will be there. But here's what has to happen. We have to humble our hearts, and we have to say, Lord Jesus, I am sorry my heart is humbled and I need forgiveness. Let that be so in the name of Jesus. So just in case, I want to ask those of you out there listening, wherever you are, in this sacred moment, and those of you say, boy, my heart is right, but you pray it with us because somebody that you know or you may not know is praying this for their lifeline to God. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I have failed. I've made mistakes. And today I heard your word. And I want things to be right. I want my life to honor you. I want my vocabulary to be praiseworthy. I want my attitude to be positive. I want my perspective to be correct in you, Jesus. So as I trust you now with my life, I will not turn back. I will serve you and do more than I've ever done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. Let me say that uh, we'll be around and 1045 this morning and that usual second service but then Wednesday night I'll be here presented uh, to you we do that every Wednesday night 630 take a look at it victorylakeland.org this past week I've got a lot of texts and a lot of emails because I talked about you know possessing a negative spirit it's not what you want it's called a judgmental spirit I got a lot a lot of people that heard that one. As a matter of fact,
I talked to a judge in my phone call this week. And the judge said, boy, I heard that message Wednesday night, Pastor. You know, I'm a, I'm a judge on the bench. And said, it was really hard for me because judge is what I do for a living. I said, well, you understand. And they laughed about that. But listen, friend, live for Jesus. Enjoy the blessings of God. and Let God embrace you like never before. Thank you for being here. And God bless you. What an insightful message. Practical ways of how we can be optimistic during challenging times. If you are new to Victory Church, please text the word CONNECT to 863-400-1226. And if there is a need in your life, text the word ASSIST to 863-400-1226. What a wonderful worship experience. We look forward to seeing you again Wednesday night at 630.